So, like I said a few minutes ago, this is obviously an unprecedented time in our nation. I mean, uh, I'm 37 years old. It's the first time in my lifetime there's ever been anything happening like what's happening right now. And, and whether or not you believe that uh, this is a real crisis that's like existential threat level and, you know, oh my gosh, are things ever going to be the same if you're on that end of the spectrum? Or maybe you're kind of like, look, this is just a manufactured crisis that the media has way overblown. This isn't a big deal. People need to calm down. Uh, or you're somewhere in the middle. The reality is, whether it's, it's real, manufactured, or just felt, this is a crisis. And I think crisis moments provide us with a really amazing opportunity as Jesus followers, as people of faith. And if you're watching this, by the way, and you wouldn't call yourself a Jesus follower, maybe you wouldn't even consider yourself a person of faith, but you're just kind of open to that idea, uh, crisis moments give us a chance to take a step back and evaluate our lives and really determine what we actually believe. And what does it, what does it mean for us as Jesus followers to, to walk out our faith in the midst of a crisis? I mean, crises are, are they're, they're challenging situations, but they're also amazing opportunities for us to really dig down deep and find out what we really believe about God, about ourselves, about life. It gives our faith a chance to mature. It gives our faith a chance to be tested, to develop endurance. And for us to be able to say from this point on, I have a, a more mature understanding of who God is, who I am, how I live out my faith in this world. And so that's what we're going to explore for the next few weeks. We're going to explore uh, a little mini-series, I guess, is what we're going to be doing called Faith Verses. Faith versus how do we live as people of faith in the midst of a crisis? Next, next Sunday, we're going to talk about what it means to have faith versus fear. And so I really want to encourage you to, to tune in next Sunday for faith versus fear. Uh, today, we're going to talk about faith versus foolishness. Faith versus foolishness. Now, before we jump into this, I want to say just a couple of, of quick things. Um, number one, I want you all to know that as a church, we are as prepared for this season as I think we possibly can be. We started meeting together about three weeks ago as a staff to talk about what we would do in the situation that we couldn't meet for a while. And so this is something for us that we have prayed about a lot. Uh, this is not us trying to react in a, in a short-term period of time. We've been working really hard for weeks to be ready for this. Uh, I want to encourage you, you know, as, as we keep going for, for the weeks to come, uh, to tune in. Like keep tuning in. Let's be together on Sunday mornings as we go through this, this exploration of what it means to live by faith. Pray for one another. And let your prayers be known. If you want to post a, a comment on our social media and ask for prayer, then go for it. We will pray for you. Uh, lead in your communities, in your families, in your, your businesses, where you work, whatever that, that is, whatever that situation is. For some of you, it's, it's taking a hiatus right now. For some of us, it may be facing some really serious consequences. Others, it's just business as usual. Lead. Be, be a light. Like Jesus said, we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. Be that to the people that you're around. And really, uh, this is a big ask for everyone that's part of his hands. Uh, we need to be giving during this time. I want to remind you that a lot of local ministries depend on our church for help. Never Alone Food Pantry would be a great example. Never Alone, uh, they're going to have a, a great increase in the number of people coming to them for help in the next few weeks. And, and we fund them. And so uh, we want to really make sure that we're continuing to, to be generous and to bless our community. There's a lot of organizations that look to us and, and we're helping them out. And they're all going to have an influx over the next few weeks. And so I want to encourage you, if you're able to, some of us may not be right now. Some of us might be in a different situation. But if you're able to give, really important that we do that over the next several weeks. Go to our website, use our mobile app, uh, give online. You can also mail gifts to the church. But, but I just want to encourage you to do that over the next few weeks. That's an important response that we have in this season. All right. All that said, faith versus foolishness. That's what we're talking about today. And I want to start with, a, with a, like a hypothetical question that I'm sure you can find real life examples from in your own life. And, and here's the question. Have you, ever, have you ever found yourself in a situation 
where you were, you were extra cautious, but it was unnecessary, where maybe you, you even found yourself hurting a little bit because you realized you were too careful. You erred on the side of caution and it came back to bite you. I, I can think of a few examples from my life. Uh, the biggest one that jumps out to me, a situation where I was too careful and I ended up regretting it, was actually my freshman year of college. 2003, which dates me a little bit, but 2003 I was in college in Kansas City, Missouri, and I was in a really serious long-distance relationship with this girl named Megan who lived here in Georgia, and we would eventually get married, and now we're still in a serious relationship. It's just not long-distance at all. Uh, And so Megan and I were together. Uh, I was madly in love with her, and every few months I had the opportunity to, to come down and visit her. And so right at the beginning of May of my freshman year of college, I had the chance to to do that. And I flew from Kansas City down here to Georgia, spent a few days with her. It was amazing. It was like, there's nothing like being young and in love. And so every single time I'd be around her, I was more and more convinced that she was the one who was going to spend the rest of my life with her. And I had a lot of things going through my mind at the time. You know, I'm in college. What are the next few years going to look like? When should we get married? I had all these things going on. And because I was thinking about marriage, I was also thinking about things like engagement rings and, uh, and what it would mean to have to provide for someone. So money was very heavy on my mind at the time. And I, I made the decision to be extremely, extremely cautious with whatever I spent. And so when it came down to flying to visit her, I wanted to save every dollar I could. And I decided that it would be good if I saved the $50 it would cost me to park my car at the airport uh, to just have a friend pick me up and, and take me. And so our college was about 20 minutes from the airport. I had a friend named Caleb. I said, hey, man, I don't want to spend the $50 to leave my car at the airport for you know, a weekend like plus. Could you drive me and pick me up? He said, no problem. So I do that. I think I'm doing the right thing. I'm being extra careful. I'm going to save $50. Turns out that while I was in the air on my way back, um, this crazy thing happened on my campus. Uh, a tornado actually hit our college. My friend picks me up, and, uh, and he has this look on his face, and I'm like, what's up? And he said, man, I just got a phone call that a tornado hit our campus. And I was like, what, what do you mean? I grew up in Tornado Alley, so tornadoes don't really, like, they're pretty normal. So I, I don't tend to get, you know, all, like, emotional or, or out of sorts about a tornado. And I was like, ah, probably just some, like, minor damage. So we, we make our way back, and we get back to, to where we live, and, like, it's intense. Like, a tornado, a large tornado actually legitimately struck our campus. And so we actually have a picture of, uh, of one of the dorms. And you can see in this picture that it was, it was really, really serious, uh, incredibly serious. And in that picture, if you guys leave that up for a second, there's obviously the building you're looking at with the cars turned over and, and the walls, you know, completely and totally uh, taken out. But there's actually a dorm building that's, that you can see it in the picture right above that building, right behind it and above it. That was actually my dorm. And the windows that you're looking at, one of those windows was my room. And so this happened just a few yards from where I lived. Now, what you can't see in that picture is that in between the building that's destroyed and my building is a parking lot. And that parking lot just so happens to be where I decided to keep my car parked to save the $50 uh, in, in parking fees. And turns out, turns out that when tornadoes uh, go through an area and they lift huge chunks of, of buildings up and like throw it, that that stuff lands somewhere. And it just so happens that a lot of that debris landed on my car. And so I, I go to the parking lot and, and there's my car and it is completely destroyed. It is 100% totaled. I'm stranded in Kansas City. I have no way of, of getting home. I have to sort out all this stuff with the insurance company and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and I ended up, that car was totaled. It was gone, scrapped. And so the good news, I guess, is that I saved $50. Uh, in parking. But, uh, but if I could go back, I would absolutely have paid that $50, been a little less cautious with my money because, I mean, who in the world could, could expect something like that to happen? There are times where you can be too cautious. 
And maybe you have some regrets in your life of moments that you should have acted, but you were being too careful, uh, and, and that's probably true. But let's flip that on its head. Have you ever had a situation where you experienced regret because you weren't careful enough? Maybe it was a, a financial decision. Maybe it was a, a move in your, your job, your career. Maybe it was a relationship decision. And, and you, you felt so strongly that you needed to do something that you just threw caution to the wind. And you basically, maybe even in that moment, said to yourself, hey, you know what? Um, I, I'm, I'm not even going to listen to the advice of those around me. Maybe you had people around you saying, hey, really think about this. Are you sure this is the right decision? But you were so confident that you're like, yes, we're doing this. I'm doing this. And, and I don't really care what anyone says about it. If anyone that I even consider wise says that I'm not doing the right thing, I, I'm doing this anyway. Uh, maybe because you're a person of faith, maybe you even convinced yourself that you were acting in faith, that you're saying, hey, yeah, people are telling me to, to not do this, to hold back, but I have faith and I'm moving forward. And and it ended up not working out. It ended up maybe being even disastrous. And if you could go back, you would have been so much more careful. You would have paused, you would have waited, you would have prayed more, you would have gotten more advice and listened to that advice and let things sink in. I'm sure all of us have plenty of stories of times where if we could go back, we would, we would be more careful, more cautious. Well, for the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about what it means to have faith and what it means to have a mature, developed faith. Look, I'll just be honest, as, as a pastor, as someone who's still maturing in my faith, uh, as, as we all are, uh, one of the things that I deal with a lot are people who have faith and they, in their minds, are responding in faith, but maybe that faith isn't developed, maybe it's not mature, and, and the truth is, an immature faith can lead to some really difficult circumstances that could be avoided. We want to have a mature faith, and, and having a mature faith means understanding a few things. It means understanding what faith is, and it means understanding what faith is not. And so, like I said, next week, we're going to talk about the fact that faith is not fear. Fear and faith, they don't hold hands. They're not friends. They don't hang out together. But neither do faith and foolishness. Faith is not, is not foolishness uh, masked by, by belief that everything's going to work out. That's not what, what mature biblical faith is. Faith can actually show up in, in being cautious, believe it or not. One of my favorite scriptures, Proverbs 14, 16, says the wise are cautious. They avoid danger. Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. And it's interesting because a lot of us would probably consider people who live by faith to be people who have reckless confidence. That they're like, I don't care what, what, what logic says. I don't care what, what anyone else says. Uh, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going forward. I'm plunging ahead with confidence because I have faith. But but what we have to understand is that faith, faith is not foolish. And we have to be really careful as people. We have to be really careful as people not to allow our faith in God to act as a covering for us, an excuse for us, really, to behave foolishly. So I'll give you a really interesting example. One of the scriptures that I've seen probably posted more than, than any scripture I've seen in the last few days on social media is Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is an unbelievable scripture. It's a promise that God is our protector, and he is. It's true. It's a promise that God will, will cover us, that he will protect us in times of danger. Let me just read it to you. If you have a Bible, feel free to turn there. Um, I'm reading from our mobile app. And so Psalm 91, verses 1 through 16. This is the entirety of the chapter. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. That's pretty relevant right now. 
He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. That is a, that is a powerful scripture. And by the way, I am, I am more than happy that that scripture is being posted online left and right, that, that a lot of the ways that people are responding to all the, the fears about COVID-19 and all this stuff, that, that all the coronavirus hysteria, I'm glad that people are leaning into the promises of God. It is true that God is our protector. It is true that God protects the people who love him. There are countless promises in scripture about that, but, but here's where it gets kind of interesting. Turn to, to Matthew chapter four, if you have your Bible. Matthew 4, we're going to look at the first few verses. It's the story of the temptation of Jesus. Very, very famous story about Jesus. We see Jesus tempted three times by, by Satan himself. And uh, in each time, Jesus ends up responding with, with scripture. That's how he backs up the decisions that he's making. But a few of the times, we actually see Satan use scripture to tempt Jesus. And so let's, let's just read this together. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. So three temptations. And I want us just for, for thought, for, for, for the, this is the, oh, wow, you know how when you forget your words and they're just not on your brain? Live, it's great. Uh, I want us for the purpose of just focus to think about the second temptation only. And so that second temptation, Satan takes Jesus to the top of the temple. And we don't know if that's a vision or if it's literally like they're standing on the top of the temple, but Satan says, jump off, jump off. And I love it because it's kind of like that classic parenting, like if your friends you know, told you to jump off a bridge, would you do that too? Uh, this, is, this is Satan saying, hey, jump off. And what he's tempting Jesus with is, is to test God's promise to protect him. He's saying, hey, like, don't you believe that God will protect you? Like, if you really have faith that you're the son of God, if you really have faith that God is with you, then, then, then jump. Because doesn't God say in his word that he will order his angels to protect you and that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone? And, and if, that, if that sounds familiar, it's because it is. We just read it. He says, he will order his angels to protect you. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. That is Psalm 91. The very same Psalm that I read just a second ago, the very same Psalm that, that a lot of people are posting online right now. And, and what does that mean? What does it mean that Satan 
use Psalm 91, a promise of God's protection, to try to tempt Jesus to do something foolish. What it means is that we have to be really, really careful and really honest about our faith and what it means to live by faith. It does not mean that Psalm 91 isn't true. It doesn't mean that God doesn't protect us. But what it does mean is that clearly our enemy is willing to use our faith as a temptation into foolishness. We have to understand Satan is really opportunistic. If you read Romans, for example, it talks about how sin used the law, which was good, to arouse evil. You know, so sin actually opportunistically seized God's law, which said things like, don't murder, don't covet, don't steal. And it said, oh, I can use this. And I can actually use this as temptation. And so all of a sudden people hear things like, don't, don't covet. And it all of a sudden makes them hyper fixated on what they don't have. Satan's really opportunistic. Sin is really opportunistic. And right here we have, we have Satan opportunistically seizing upon faith as, as a, a temptation for Jesus to be foolish. And Jesus doesn't take the bait. Because Jesus understands something. Faith is not foolishness. Faith is not foolishness. God's promises to protect us are not a covering for foolish behavior. And, and here's where this gets really real in a season like we're in right now. I've seen a lot of people online, a lot of people that I've talked to who have this mentality that because they're a person of faith, they, they are, are somehow looking down, even condemning other people who are responding with, with caution. I've seen a lot of, a lot of Jesus followers, so-called Jesus followers online bragging, or the modern term I think would be flexing, uh, bragging about how much faith they have and, and posting things like Psalm 91 and then, and then taking shots at anyone who's, who's acting with caution, anyone who's going to the grocery store and buying extra supplies. Oh, ye of little faith. But here's the truth, guys. Mature faith is not independent of wisdom. Mature faith is not saying, I throw caution to the wind and I'm, I'm going to ignore whatever, whatever wise people, whatever people of knowledge say. I'm going I'm to throw caution to the wind. I'm just going to do whatever I, I feel like doing because I have faith. Faith is not friends with foolishness. And wise people are cautious. Again, we can go back to Proverbs 14, 16. The wise are cautious and avoid danger. Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. One of my favorite scriptures is Ecclesiastes 4.13. It's something I think about a lot because, because I'm, I'm a relatively young person in a position of leadership. Ecclesiastes 4.13 says, It is better to be a poor but wise youth than an old and foolish king who refuses all advice. Sometimes we are tempted to believe that being people of faith means we have no caution that we're not careful, that we don't take a step back and listen to the wisdom of what's being shared with us and, and really think about it. You know, sometimes people think faith is the opposite of thought, and it's not at all. In fact, one of my favorite, favorite people in Scripture is Nehemiah. And I love the fact that in Nehemiah, several times, Nehemiah is a person of faith. When he leaves to, to do what God calls him to do, what God puts on his heart, it takes great faith for him to accomplish that. But several times in Nehemiah, it says that after thinking things through, Nehemiah decided this. Faith is about being bold, but it's not about being foolish. It's important in a time like this that we understand that, that our faith, a mature, healthy faith, acted out in a season of crisis means that we, we do take a step back and we pray and we think and we listen to all the information that, that's, that's being given to us and we make wise decisions. Mature faith is not plunging ahead with reckless confidence, just pretending like God is going to cover 
every foolish decision you make, whether it's thought through or not, because you have faith. Faith is about trusting in God's protection and his provision. And his wisdom, by the way, is part of his provision. And we have to have faith in the wisdom that God gives. Look at Proverbs chapter 2, verses 2 through 6. It says, For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Here we have God's protection and and wisdom together. Because wisdom and faith, they do walk hand in hand. Faith and foolishness, they don't. Faith and foolishness, they're not friends at all. But faith and wisdom, they go together. And we can see this in so many different examples. Think about finances, for example. I could open up scripture after scripture that points to God's promises to bless you financially, God's promises to prosper you. But those, those promises to bless you are not carte blanche for you to just go be reckless with your money. Those promises that God says, I will, I will provide for you, that doesn't mean go be foolish with your money and I'll, just, I'll keep putting money in your account. Now, sometimes God in his grace and his mercy, he does that. He does that because nothing that we do, no matter how foolish, puts us outside of God's love. Nothing that we do, no matter how foolish, puts us outside of God's, of God's grace and his mercy and his care for us. But God's promises of blessing and his promises of protection, that's not a covering to be foolish. We're, we're called constantly in scripture to be wise. And sometimes the wisest thing to do is to be cautious. That's a big part of the reason that we've decided to break for a few weeks. It's not because we're afraid. We'll get into that next week in detail. Faith is not fear. We're not afraid. But we are going to be careful. We are going to be cautious because faith is not friends with foolishness. I've had, I've had a lot of people asking me, you know, some interesting questions as we've made this decision and, and saying things like, you know, hey, you know, do you think that you're, you're going to inspire people not to have faith? You know, doesn't God tell us to trust him? And yeah, he absolutely tells us to trust him. But again, he tells us to be careful. The story of Joseph in the Old Testament has been heavy on my heart this last few weeks. If you know the story of Joseph, Pharaoh, who's in charge of Egypt, has a dream, and it's a very troubling dream, and God gives Joseph the ability to interpret it. And the dream is a warning that a famine is going to come to the land. It's a huge warning for famine. But, but Joseph, interpreting that dream, recognizes that the faith response to that dream The faith response is not to say, well, I have faith in God and I believe that famine isn't going to happen or I believe that famine's not going to affect us. The faith response is actually for Joseph to take every single precaution necessary to ensure that, that the people are able to withstand the coming famine. And so Joseph shares wise advice with the Pharaoh and Pharaoh recognizes the wisdom of Joseph and says, I'm going to put you in charge. And Joseph spends seven years taking every precautionary measure you can imagine to ensure that, that the people survive what's coming. Now, I'm not saying that the coronavirus is a famine. I'm not saying that we're in some type of existential threat. But I am saying that clearly, clearly, we are in an unprecedented situation where our government is asking us to take unprecedented steps. And, and what I want you to understand is, is that right now, if you're acting out of caution, do not for a moment be, be tempted to believe that that means you don't have faith. Don't let anyone, whether it is, is Satan himself or some social media you know, preacher, tell you that, and everybody, by the way, becomes a social media preacher. I think that's what people do on social media. They just preach, right, about whatever they want to preach about. Don't let anyone convince you that you being cautious means that you're a person who lacks faith. That's not true. Now, trust me, search your heart. Make sure you're not responding out of fear. 
That's, that's something you've got to do with God. You've got to wrestle with God there. You've got to do some, some soul searching. In crisis moments, give us a chance to take a step back and do that. But don't let yourself for a moment believe that practicing wisdom and caution is somehow you not having faith. Faith and wisdom are friends. Faith and foolishness are not. So in this season, I encourage you to be cautious. Not afraid, but cautious. Why? Because the wise are cautious and avoid danger. Better to be a wise but poor youth than a, than a foolish king who pays no heed to warnings, who pays no attention to wise advice. Be really careful who you listen to right now. Listen to wise people. Listen to people who, who know what they're talking about. Listen to their advice and you know what? Do something crazy. Take it. It actually kind of is crazy sometimes for people to actually take wise advice. It happens far less than it should. But, but in this season, be wise, be cautious, be filled with faith that God is absolutely gonna get us through this, that we're absolutely gonna come out on the other side of this stronger than ever before. I believe that as a church, but don't believe for a second that you being cautious means that you don't have faith. Faith and wisdom are friends. Faith is not foolishness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for giving us a chance to dive into your word. Thank you so much, Lord, for giving us a chance to have our, our faith mature. Lord, I've, I've been tested this last couple of weeks for sure. And I've gone back and forth. You know my heart, Lord. You know my thoughts. You know the prayers that I've prayed to you where I've asked so many different times, what should we do? And, and, and I've gone back and forth on what the right decision should be up until this last week where you gave me resolve. But the truth of the matter is we're so often tempted to believe that, that following you, that being people of faith means that, that we throw off all caution, that we don't listen to, to anything but, but whatever whatever that voice inside of us telling us to just march forward is because we believe that that's what faith looks like. But, but Jesus, you weren't, you weren't tempted to, well, you were tempted, but you weren't convinced to allow your faith to become a temptation for foolishness. When Satan tempted you to, to prove your faith, to prove that, that you really trusted that you were who you said you were, to prove that by by recklessly allowing God or, or forcing God to protect you. you. You didn't take the bait. Not in the slightest, Lord. You were wise. And we want to be wise like you in this season. Some of us, Lord, some of us have the ability to stay home. And we may choose that. And if we choose that, Lord, let that be a decision that, that's led by, by, by discernment that comes from you. Some of us don't have that option. Some of us have to go to work like normal. And if that's the case, Lord, give us the wisdom to take whatever precautions we can, but also to trust you. And to trust that if this is what we have to do, that you are going to be with us. That we can claim Psalm 91 and say that, that wherever we go, we know that you're with us. You are our protector. So help us believe that, Lord. Help us walk that out in faith. But at the same time, remember that it is wise for us to take cautions. To be, to be cautious, to take precautions, Lord. Help us remember that. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity over the coming weeks to keep worshiping you, to keep, to keep singing to you, to keep learning about you, to keep growing in our, in our faith in you, Lord. Um, even though it has to be online. I thank you, Lord, for all the people watching at home right now and everyone that's connected to them. Lord, help them be a light to their friends and family and, and coworkers in a time like this. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.